section twenty one of sikh religion volume five by max arthur mcauliffe this librivox recording is in the public domain life of guru gobind singh chapter twenty one wazir khan's troops advanced from sarhind like a surging sea drums sounded and banners flew at the head of every regiment in similar formidable array came the troops of zabardas khan the viceroy of lahore the two viceroys joined their forces at ropar there they were met by the troops of the allied hindu rajas and all proceeded against the guru to anandpur the guru on seeing the enemy approach in a body ordered his artillerymen to light their fuses and discharge their cannon into the hostile army where thickest when fire was opened the enemy made a charge to seize the artillery but were quickly restrained by the fatal accuracy with which the guru's men served their guns meanwhile the sikh cavalry advanced and discharged their muskets at close quarters they were well supported by the infantry who manned the embrasures the allied army had no protection and consequently fell in heaps before the city the battle continued with terrific violence the sun was obscured by the smoke from the guru's garrison guns heroes were all stained with blood and cries of strike strike kill kill everywhere resounded riders lost control over their horses which fled in every direction and the battlefield presented a truly ghastly spectacle the guru sent for his two brave generals ude singh and daya singh encouraged them and gave them renewed orders the two chiefs courageously advanced with their troops and cut down the enemy as reapers a cornfield dust flew into the eyes of their opponents and rendered them powerless for action they had no power to withstand the forces now ranged on the guru's side and consequently fell in large numbers the two viceroys were astonished at the unwanted destruction of their armies they rallied their men but again the same evil fate attended them at last it was resolved to storm the fortress the mohammedan troops were told that the guru was only a fakir that he had no power to offer long resistance and must soon capitulate the carnage began anew many brave mohammedans were dispatched to wed the soul-delighting nymphs of paradise the contest continued with the greatest obstinacy and horse and foot for the space of three hours were mingled in indiscriminate slaughter the mohammedans hazarded different opinions as to the cause of the success of their enemies some said that the guru was a miracle worker and that supernatural forces fought on his side others maintained that the guru's success was owing to the fact that his men were protected behind their ramparts while such 
conversation was being held the viceroys asked the hill chiefs to show them how they were to obtain victory if the same ill success attended them to the end the sikhs would never allow them to escape the hill chiefs suggested that they should then cease fighting and next day bring cannon to batter down the fort it is true the hill chief said the guru's army is a low rabble but very brave on a muster being taken it was found that nine hundred of the mohammedan troops lay dead on the field of battle after the first day's engagement next day the guru mounted his charger and put himself at the head of his troops the viceroys observed a warrior mounted on a sable steed with a gold embroidered saddle he carried a bow painted green and his crest set with jewels glittered on his turban they inquired of raja ajmer chand who it was and he answered that it was the guru every effort was now made to destroy him but the first fire of the enemy was aimed too high and took no effect the mohammedan gunners were then ordered to fire low and promised large rewards if they killed the guru they were equally unsuccessful when they fired low the allied armies finding their guns useless resolved to charge the guru and his sikhs the guru seeing this began to discharge his arrows with marvellous effect the fearful carnage of the preceding day was again renewed horses fell on horses and men on men the hindus and the mohammedans entered on mutual recriminations each sect blaming the other for its ill success upon this they combined and made a further effort to conquer but were so vigorously and successfully repulsed that they were obliged to suspend hostilities for that day also the viceroys and the hill chiefs took counsel at night and resolved on the morrow to encompass the city and cut off all external supplies so that the guru and his troops might be starved into submission while they were thus discussing they apprehended a night attack from the sikhs and accordingly kept vigil next morning a watch before day the guru and his sikhs were found at their devotions when divine service was finished the guru ordered his men to remain behind their embrasures and barricades and not be tempted to advance or come to close quarters with the enemy meantime the mohammedans and hindus contented themselves with watching the city gates and hindering all ingress or egress at the same time they remained at a safe distance from the missiles of the sikhs the allied forces made another assault on anandpur they espied the guru at a distance and again ordered their artillerymen to direct their cannon towards him the sikhs were much disconcerted by the enemy's fire and requested the guru to take up a less exposed position the guru replied that he wore the armour of the immortal god 
and consequently no weapon could harm him god was his protector and had stretched forth his hand to save him from all assaults of his enemies while the guru was thus speaking cannon-balls from the enemy hurtled in the air they were again aimed high and missed the sikhs when the artillerymen were ordered to lower the muzzles of their guns their fire fell short of the sikhs and struck the base of the eminence on which the city stood the allied armies discharged their cannon hundreds of times but whether they fired high or low their missiles failed to have the desired effect thus the day passed until night terminated the conflict on the morrow skirmishes were renewed on both sides and the sikhs inflicted severe chastisement on the enemy the guru called his son ajit singh and told him to hold that part of the city called gesgar and not venture forth he gave him further orders to kill any one who approached to remain on the alert at night and to keep his guns loaded the guru directed nahar singh and sher singh to hold the fort called logar for this purpose five hundred men were placed at their disposal alim singh with another detachment of five hundred men was ordered to hold the fort of agampur ude singh also received command of five hundred men to defend another part of the city daya singh was ordered to guard the northern ramparts the muhammadans and the hill chiefs had now completely invested the city and the guru's supplies were failing the enemy noticed that the singhs on guard went twice a day from their embrasures to pray and do homage to their guru the guru in turn kept an eye on the proceedings of the allied armies one day he saw the generals playing indian drafts raja ajmer chand and others were watching the game the guru taking up his bow discharged an arrow into their midst but without striking any one they examined the arrow and knew by its golden point that it had been discharged by the guru they admitted that only a miracle could have sent it such a distance the guru knew by his occult power what they were saying and wrote them the following letter o oh, viceroy that was not a miracle miracle is a name for the wrath of god i was merely practising archery the brave men who have obtained skill in it conceal not their accomplishments everything is in god's hands whether he desireth to make what is difficult easy or what is easy difficult the guru attached this letter to an arrow and then discharged it it lodged in a branch of a tree under which the allied generals were seated on perusing the guru's letter they were astonished that he could have divined what they were saying and it is said that they admitted his supernatural power and prayed to heaven to preserve them from his two unerring shafts and his unsurpassed knowledge of warfare on one occasion it was observed that the enemy had come very 
close to the city and far away from their defences sher singh accordingly suggested to nahar singh that it would be expedient to make a night attack and thus take them unawares when they should of necessity become an easy prey if the sikhs waited until morning the enemy would be far away and it would be impossible to reach them the night was dark and favoured the enterprise nahar singh did not at first approve of the suggestion but subsequently altered his mind the sikh troops were awakened at dead of night and arms served out to them having performed their ablutions they sallied forth two hours before daybreak sher singh commanded them to make one charge and then return they did great havoc among the mohammedans killing them in numbers and succeeded in returning to anandpur by daybreak the enemy on being aroused could not see whence destruction had overtaken them and began to turn their arms against one another father attacked son and son attacked father and with mutual reproaches there resulted internecine slaughter the mohammedan generals were greatly distressed on learning what had occurred they blamed ajmer chand for the disaster and asked how he could again show his face to the emperor he had told the emperor that the sikhs were very few and now whence had so many men sprung forth on a sudden the mohammedan generals threatened to leave ajmer chand and his people to the mercy of the sikhs but ajmer chand and Bup chand offered them large presents and thus prevailed on them to renew the conflict next day the allied forces advanced to take the citadel by storm the sikhs on seeing this put their two great guns called bagan tigris and bajaj sound of victory in position the guns were then charged the fuses lighted and aim taken at the enemy where most thickly massed together the tents and standards of the mohammedans were first blown away their two generals on seeing this retreated as the guns committed further destruction both the mohammedan and the hill armies took to flight that evening the guru offered thanksgiving beat the drum of victory and put his cannon into a place of shelter the guru was informed that a man called kanaya used with absolute impartiality to draw water both for his sikhs and the enemy the guru asked him if it was so and he replied in the affirmative he quoted the guru's own instruction that one should look on all men with an equal eye the guru mused on his reply and dismissed him with the compliment that he was a holy man his followers called suwapanthis formed an orthodox and honourable subsect of sikhs who live by honest labour and accept no alms or offerings of any description the suwapanthis are also called adanshahis from adanshah a rich banker who devoted his wealth and his leisure to the propagation of their doctrines 
when provisions were running short the sikhs made several night sorties and took supplies from the enemy's camp on such occasions they were often attacked but they generally contrived to return with scant loss when any one of their party was cut down they took his body and carried it into anandpur in one of these sorties a sikh fainted the muhammadans seized him cut off his hair made him eat their food and repeat their creed and finally circumcised him they then strange to say allowed him to escape probably because they thought they had accomplished a sufficiently pious work in forcibly converting him he informed the guru of what had happened to him and prayed to be received again into the sikh fold the guru inquired if he had cohabited with a muhammadan woman he replied in the negative the guru then ordered him to prepare sacred food and distribute it among the sikhs and his reconversion should be complete the guru explained that a sikh who was forcibly converted to islam was still a sikh but that a sikh who became a muhammadan from motives of sensuality should forfeit his happiness here and hereafter several of the inhabitants now deserted anandpur on account of the difficulty of maintaining themselves provisions became excessively dear a pound of flour selling for a rupee the guru's troops however remained to endure hunger and every form of hardship they had already decided to sacrifice their lives for him and they could not leave him in this extremity complaints were made to his mother by some of the malcontents but she only ventured to speak to him when her own private servants rebelled against their fate she said thy sikhs who were foremost in the fight are now dying of hunger and the enemy are at thy gates each of thy soldiers hath now but a quarter of a pound of corn daily how can men fight on such a pittance their patience is exhausted the guru replied having obtained the order of the immortal god my object is to increase and not diminish the numbers of my religion it is by enduring hunger and hardships my sikhs become strong and brave one day there was an alarm that the hillmen were advancing in force the guru having caused his great drum to be sounded proceeded to the spot whither the assault was directed bullets and arrows poured from both sides and the sikhs being now reduced in numbers had to retreat the turks and hillmen inflicted great damage on them as they did so and took from them a large quantity of booty the sikhs struggled but their efforts were ineffectual against overpowering numbers ude singh and others went to the guru and told him that the sikhs were defeated and their property plundered at this critical moment all his troops prayed to the guru for protection the guru said they ought to feel no pleasure in the possession of wealth which was not permanent and no sorrow at its departure 
until now the beleaguered garrison had been supplied with water from a hill stream this was discovered by raja ajmer chand and he cut off the supply when the guru was informed of this he said that satluj would for the future supply him with water and the enemy should gain no advantage from the stream they had diverted the guru promised that water should come in time and the name of the stream should be the himaiti nala or stream of assistance End of chapter twenty one